I'm just calling to say, and here's another thing, and this is what your mother must be embarrassed. All right, I hear your voicemails. We've gotten so many that it's time to do another batch of where you're coming from. Hello, I'm Chris Cuomo, and welcome to another special episode of the Chris Cuomo Project. Your calls that are often a kick in the balls. All right, so we're gonna do that now. Thank you for subscribing and following. Thank you for checking out News Nation. Weekday nights, 8 and 11 p.m. Eastern, okay? Checking out the free agent merch, like it. YouTube channel, growing cool and free. So you made your calls, Greg had to listen to them, and now you're gonna yap at me and I'm gonna yap at you. Let's get after it. getting warmer, you want to be fit, you don't want to be inside, you know what that's a recipe for. Fueling up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Factor, meet your wellness goals in time for summer. You need the right fuel. You can't out-train your diet. You need chef-crafted meals. Calorie smart, protein plus, keto, whatever your vibe is. Factors, fresh, never frozen meals, key to keeping the nutritional value, are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, you're busy? Of course you are. You want to get out, but you want to enjoy something that's giving you what you need, including great taste. That's what Factors all about. Head to factormeals.com slash Cuomo50. Use code Cuomo50. Why is it 50? Because you get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off the next month. That's code Cuomo50 at factormeals.com slash Cuomo50, and you get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I really want to know what the prospects are of a unity ticket. I'm a diehard Democrat. And I worked for the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania. And a unity ticket is something that has always perplexed me. I want to know more about the unity ticket. I want to know more about the unity ticket. This is one of those ideas that is great as long as you forget the reality. This is a game. And there are two teams. That's it. They have the money. They have the power. Remember, it is their players that control our process. Now, remember, that's not in the Constitution. It is often not a creature of a state constitution. The laws, sure, they start to reflect a process and rules of how elections will be conducted that assume all of them in every state that the parties control the primaries and the population of the people who conduct the election. So they're in no hurry to expand it. Now, I know a lot of state ballots, local state elections, uh, have multiple parties, and often they, they win positions and to different extents in different states, I know. But on the national level, it's a two-party game, and that's why there is legitimate criticism of third-party candidates as being basically spoilers. But my feeling is nothing changes if nothing changes. And if your candidate can be splintered that way, that's on you as one of those two parties, not to just blame the third party. People want choice. They want it to be different. How do we get out of this two-party mess where everything is a battle to the bottom if we're not allowed to do anything differently? And a unity ticket, I think, is a beautiful idea. Imagine if you had a Republican and a Democrat working together in leadership. 
uh, imagine what more of incentive there would be to compromise. Now, if we ever had anything like that, if you look back in history, yes, there were some accommodations because there were different ways of who became vice president uh, early on. You know, there were rules about the person with the second most votes. Um, and then people were like, yeah, but there's going to be constant conflict because the number two wants the number one's job. But look, all I'm saying is we can do better than where we are. And I love the idea of a unity ticket. We just don't have a mechanism to make one happen right now unless one of the two parties chose to do that. So right now that would mean Biden dropping Harris and picking at a minimum Joe Manchin and being able to get Joe Manchin through the um, the uh, convention, which, you know, is probably what he could. Um, of course, the left would be burdened, you know, they'd have so many blocks to that. Um, even with Joe Manchin, two white males, you know, like the left w would get all upset about that because uh, they believe in uh, outward diversity so much. Why do I say outward diversity? Because I don't think that playing to color and creed necessarily is going to get you a diversity of ideas. It could, it could but not necessarily, especially given how much more uh, mixing and blending there is in our culture today than back in the day. It's not just because someone's brown, uh, even if, it, whether it's African-American or it's uh, East Asian-American, that just because they're from India, they're gonna have all these Indian ideas that you know they're gonna bring to bear and everything. I, I think that's a little naive. So unless one of the two parties decides to put somebody on their ticket, that's from the other party or is seen as different than they, there's not a mechanism for it. I like the idea too, but we're stuck in the game. Hey, Chris, this is John Castro, Wyoming. I just wish you'd talk more about the economy and like uh, Bidenomics. The guy at Morgan Stanley said that it's, you know, the stock market and the economy is doing good because of Bidenomics. And, you know, it's all right to talk about UFOs and all that. But these Trump wackadoodles that watch your show, they got to see what the economy is really doing. And and you got to tell people, you know, how these programs that Biden has put into place are really starting to work. Thanks. A president once said, the only economist I want is a one-handed economist. Because what do economists say? But on the other hand, why? Because economic analysis is very subjective. The data can show you many different things. How's the economy doing? I don't know, it depends on what you want to look at. You offered up the metric of the stock market. It's doing well. Okay, are we an investor economy? Not really. We're a service economy now. We, we provide services more than we actually make things. But we still have way more people who are not living and dying by the success of the stock market directly than those who are. Now, all the wealth is, of course, that takes us down a different rabbit hole. It is Biden's argument to make that he passes the are you better off than four years ago test. He's going to have a tough battle against the grocery store. The reason it's tough when it comes to economic analysis is that a president traditionally is blamed for whatever goes wrong on their watch and celebrated for whatever goes right, whether or not they are directly responsible for it. Very often economically, the reason it's good under you is because of what I did before you. Or if it's bad under you, it's because of what I did before you. Either way, 
you got to pay or profit. So inflation, really big political flashpoint buzzword, certainly up from the last administration. The question is why, and it gets very complicated. And there's absolutely, if this were an economics class, there's absolutely a case to be made that you can't condemn Biden for inflation. It was inevitable based on what we were doing with quantitative easing and all the money we were dumping into the markets and everything that happened with the pandemic and all the money that we gave out and all the profligate spending uh, under Trump and Biden uh, because of the pandemic and beyond. And it was, so it's not really his fault, but that's not how politics works. And it's his story to tell. And he has not told it well or frequently enough. And his uh, proxies and seconds and teammates aren't doing a good job. He also has the reality of gas and groceries and they are up. Now, could you make the case that it's not his fault? Yes, very easily. Why? Gas is a world market. We're pumping like crazy. And now there are reports coming out about how our oil companies are shutting off oil pumps. Why? Because the prices have come down, so it's not worth their time as much as gas, natural gas. Why? Because that helps uh, people use electricity. Uh, air conditioning is more electricity sensitive than oil sensitive. Um, and they're making profit-based decisions that are going to change our gas prices and going to make them go up. Yeah, but they were lower under Trump. I know, but it's a world market. And OPEC and the war in Ukraine forced by Russia has had impacts on world markets. Yeah, but if we just pump more of our own, we, we do pump more than just about anywhere in the world, depending on how you want to look at it. We export a lot of what we pump also instead of using it here. But we would be able to assist, but not materially change our pricing structure unilaterally. I know that's not what the right says to you, but they're not being completely honest. But it is not as simple as me saying that they're wrong. This is a political argument. And it's got to be made by the people who want you to believe it. It's not as simple as a fact check, okay? Uh, unemployment is down. Okay, that is the U6 uh, in economics. That's, that's called the U6 metric unemployment, is to me the most deceptive metric that we use in a very deceptive game of economic analysis. Why? Unemployment is people who don't have jobs, but also people who have stopped looking for jobs and people who are underemployed. What if I used to have a job that paid me 10 bucks a week? I now have to have two jobs to get 10 bucks a week. Am I employed? Yes, I'm in fact taking up two jobs that you may count, but I am underemployed because I'm having to work more to make the same or maybe even less. Temp workers, a lot of them fall into this. Freelancers, a lot of them fall into this. So the U9 is the real number. The hell is that? The U9 is the underemployment. You got to look at the whole picture. Are these... Uh, an influx in retirees, that's going to change your unemployment rate. Now, but the number's really low, Chris, so everything you're saying is irrelevant. Well, no, because I'm talking about you having the full picture. And the number being low is certainly good. Full employment, you know, which is the balance of people that you need in the workforce versus not, you know, that changes the analysis also. The point is, this is good under Biden, but he's got to make the case, uh, not me. 
and we have jobs, but we are running out of workers because we're not training people here. And we have a weird education system that teaches you lots of things that aren't going to get you a job and that you're not going to learn in a job. And I do think we need to rethink education, certainly secondary education. College is not the golden ticket that we once thought it was. We ignore the trades here. We see them as less than. You know you do. Do you want your son or daughter to be a lawyer or to be an electrician? Be honest. Why do you think lawyer? Prestige, profession, wealth. Not necessarily. My waitress the other night was a woman who had just graduated from my law school alma mater. Why is she waiting tables? Well, because she can't get a job as a lawyer. That's why. Why? Because the market is saturated. That's why. Oh, we're desperate for construction workers. I'm not saying that she should be a construction worker. That's her choice. But I'm saying, you want to make money? You go where the needs are. And let me tell you something. You know a trade, you got a job for life. And if you're entrepreneurial by nature, you could live a great life, be a millionaire, decamillionaire. Why? Well, how many toilets am I going to clean? No, 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 no. You start a company and you get other people to do the toilets who have the same trade skills as you. You're an entrepreneur, not just a tradesman. And by the way, there'd be nothing wrong with being that anyway. Everything's changing, AI, all this stuff. Guess what AI is never going to do? Unclog your plumbing. Uh, lay the electricity in your house when it blows out. Build the house. We're not ready to 3D print houses at scale. Not in my lifetime. We are going to be down close to three quarters of a million construction workers in the next 10 years in this country at the rate we're going. They're going to build a chip factory. They're building it right now in uh, Arizona, I think Southwest Arizona. They're going to have to import the chip makers from Taiwan. Are you fucking kidding me? Nothing against Taiwan. What are we doing here? You see what I'm saying? This is all economic analysis. This is the case that needs to be made to you. Binonomics is great, Chris. Tell him. No, not my job, his job. But I appreciate your interest and your frustration. And I love Casper, Wyoming. Hey, this is Luke from the Twin Cities, Minnesota. I just wanted to say I loved your appearance on Patrick Bet David's podcast. That was so awesome how you just kind of like told your story openly for an almost three-hour conversation. Would you ever consider going on other podcasts in the future? Uh, yes. Really liked PBD uh, and his gang of merry men. Uh, and he's got a beautiful family. I walked into his house, his father's there, his young kids, his uh, wife. Um, I respect it. I, I don't give a shit what his politics are. And frankly, I don't really know what his politics are. I'm really impressed by his success and how he's done it himself uh, and what he seems to value and how he's trying to make people something around him. I think it's very cool. Uh, really American, you know? Uh, he, he really is like the dream, you know, born in Iran. His father ran uh, from the despotism there and oppression. Uh, they're Assyrian, Armenian, but born in Iran. Come here, uh, scraping it, 
he joins the military, airborne, uh, entrepreneurial, gets into the insurance business, he's a great salesman, builds a company, cashes in. He just bought a piece of the Yankees, decides to get into digital media, builds his company, value tainment, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, I don't like talking about me and why I got fired and my brother and how I feel about him. And I also don't really like talking about why it's not fair that I am held out as someone who doesn't want you to read WikiLeaks or uh, doesn't believe in the what the protest uh, abilities are under the First Amendment. All this other bullshit about things that I've said that were taken out of context or twisted for effect. Why? Because you wind up just fueling the bullshit. But at the, you know, once in a while, you're like, I've had it, you know? Like, some dope thinks I'm really taking 100 pounds and going like this and handing it to somebody and then they fall down and that's fake news. What are you, a fucking idiot? Um, so it was funny. He brings out uh, dumbbells for me to do. I did them. I did them easily. Why? Because I'm strong. But I can't play around with 100 pounds. It was obviously a joke. That's proof of fake news that they're going to weaponize on the right in some of these podcasts that you guys follow in the gazillions. Um, that's stupid. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to feed stupid, uh, and mean thinking. So would I go on podcasts? Yeah, I did Kara Swisher. Um, you know, she tried to take me apart. Everybody says she's a brilliant interviewer. I think she's smart. I think she's well-intentioned. Uh, I was not impressed by her questioning. Uh, why? Because there are the, these perceived gotchas are not gotchas. They're a gotcha for the asker. Not for me or for the person answering the question because she just doesn't have command of the information the way I do. She's believing what she was told by the media and that's okay, but the media have not gotten it right. And that is often the case. And it's a pack animal and they start telling the same story and they like that story. And I get it. This is what I signed up for and I'm part of it, but it's part of the reason that I'm part of it is that I see opportunities to be better. Uh, so yes, I would, but you got to be selective because I don't want to keep getting dragged into the past into stupid uh, conflicts that I can't solve, you know? Did you see the response to how I treat you and someone saying that I'm not nice to you? Yes. And it said, I, in fact, I have that queued up here. I, let me let me find it. It's something about how, let me let me find this right now. Uh, First of all, tell people how much you love our back and forth and how much you enjoy being with me. I, th I have tell a good, them. I, <laughs> I, I have a good time when I come here, uh, if, no, if for nothing else, because of the free sandwiches and these fake peanut butter cookies you just gave us. <laughs> They're these like weird, like it's part of that diet thing you're trying out from Dr. No, Sell. I can't have them. Oh, you can't. Okay, so you're passing them off on me because yeah. they do not taste like peanut butter cookies. They taste like the even though they're only made from peanut butter and like fruit juice. Yeah, great. Well, they they've put the Legos together incorrectly. It does not taste like the ingredients that it should. the The sum of its parts do not taste like a cookie. I don't know that the Legos metaphor works, but you probably didn't have them as a kid being Amish. So you're doing this Amish thing. That is probably going to be cut from this episode. So you, you're making this reference that the audience has no insight into. Okay, <laughs> when I come on the show sometimes, people don't know that I'm the producer. They think I might be a guest on the program. I'm not a guest on this program. I'm not an expert in anything other than like Fair. John Mayer set lists. So this is what somebody, this is what Mark Putt 7232 wrote. Chris, debate the guest verbally. Don't threaten to punch him. 
that's very revealing and unappealing. You, you threatened me with violence, and some people noticed this when I was talking out of my ass about UFOs because I was... Do you feel threatened when I say that I'm going to punch you in the face? No, because I think if you were to injure me, it would be a huge news story, and you, I don't think you would want to risk that sort of trouble. Do you think the reason that I would not try to hurt you is because I'm worried about the coverage? Yeah, I don't think you want bad press from you <laughs> jumping over this table. You and don't slamming. think I have genuine affection and appreciation for you? No, I think I think we I think we like one another. So <laughs> you don't think that's the reason that when I say I'll punch you in the face that I'm just kidding with you? I don't think it would be good <laughs> for the headlines. He just can't get out of his own way. This guy. Um, I love you. I think you're great. That's very kind of you're you to say. You're very funny. Oh. And you're very good. Oh. So I hope that you don't take it too hard. I know that where you're from, sometimes people really mean it when they say they're going to hit somebody. Yeah, Amish country. You offered that up, not me, sir. <laughs> you're the one who keeps saying, I'm some Amish man. I Jeez. said, where you're from, I, I meant, you know, the middle of the country. You said Amish land. Well, I mean, there are a lot of Amish in the middle of the country, Indiana, in uh, outside of Chicago, Mostly Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, yeah. Well, you'd know. I would know because I've driven through that. I, I went to Thanksgiving once, and I I stopped to get a, a pie to bring home to my parents, and that was the first time I ever got a mincemeat pie, and my family hated it. <laughs> they didn't like it. I stopped at like some Amish bakery, and they hated they hated the pie. Is that why you're so touchy about being called Amish? No, I was just like I thought they were like specializing. You know, like you know we we don't really do a lot, so we have these like. Did you uh, think to ask them when you were driving through, why would I want an Amish chicken? No, I didn't. That like didn't what, why would I bring a chicken what, to Thanksgiving? What about a chicken being Amish makes it appealing on a menu? You'll have to ask the chicken. Uh, the, the chicken didn't come up in this exchange at all. Well, when you were with them. I mean, it was a bakery. They, didn't, they weren't baking chickens. They were baking pie and you know bread. There was nothing else? No, it was a bakery. It was not they a make farm. Furniture? It was there a, any furniture there? There was furniture in the room, but they we weren't Dutch selling ovens it. there? No. That was just, sure? just in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, disgusting. <laughs> I love you too. You're a very good man. You're very nice to me. And I enjoy doing the show. And I don't, I don't think he's going to try to injure me. You are much bigger than I am. Well, Height-wise, I'm like an inch taller. but Yeah, for sure. All day. Yeah. And you're young. I'm relatively young. And you got that Amish rage in there. See, there the it is. Okay, we're going to cut this right. We're not doing this Amish <laughs> Okay, here's some, here some YouTube comments. This is from your video about the Supreme Court. Lamplighter 5545 writes, Generally, I think Chris is spot on with most of what he's saying about the Supreme Court and reform, but I do have a nit to pick. It's not just with Chris, but with most of the media. Everyone keeps pushing better financial disclosure, but that misses the point. Supreme Court justices make $285,000 per year plus full benefits. Through speaking engagements and books, they can earn even more. That isn't peanuts. There's no reason that they should be allowed to accept any gifts at all. It's called government service for a reason. You're not supposed to get rich doing it. Agreed. I have never said anything different than that. I've said they all do what you're seeing. Um, and the idea that they don't is a charade. And the idea that they're going to self-police uh, is absurd. And I uh, have no problem with anything you're saying. I'm saying something else, which is the vetting for the judges, the justices, must change. There is one of the vestiges, uh, I mean, this is broken down also, but the only thing that comes close 
to a culture of accommodation and cooperation between the two parties comes to when their justices are there. Now, that changed with McConnell blocking Merrick Garland, right, and starting to play dirty pool even with this appointment. They didn't used to do that, you know, other than Bork and, you know, maybe a couple others over modern history. You've had the side that wants to get someone through gets them through. Why? Because the other side's going to want their people and elections have consequences. What bothers me about it is these men and women come before the Senate for advice and consent hearings, and they say they won't answer any questions. And it's bullshit because they're going to vote in line with the agenda of the party that puts them on the court so often that we know the names of those who don't. They are political people, okay? Sotomayor is a lefty, ethnic New Yorker who has very liberal political ideas that will be reflected in some of her judgments. Amy Coney Barrett is a staunch Catholic conservative advocate for conservative politics. That's what she's going to be on the court. So have them disclose it. Oh, I don't have any opinion. I'd have to see the case. Oh, that's stare decisis. Stare decisis means it is decided until they decide to decide differently. So let's just dispense with the illusion that feeds a delusion and know these men and women for what they are and are not so that you have clear eyes on what they're going to see and what they're going to say. There are judges who are elected all over this country who make cases about uh, political cases during their campaigns about what they're about and what they're not. You think these guys are any different? They're just not held to that standard. From a recent YouTube comments episode where you talked about separating, like journal, journal your opinions as a person in the newsroom and things like that, Gordon Beskinen 709 writes, there needs to be an accountability law in America, both for journalists and all government officials. What does that mean? What, what, are you, what, what are you going to hold them to account for? Being wrong? Lying, which is different, which I can't believe how often people confuse the two or think they're the same. Really? If you get an answer wrong, are you intentionally getting it wrong for the purposes of deception? to someone who had the right to know the truth. That last little part is really important, by the way. I call that the Santa Claus. <laughs> no? Because when we are teaching our kids, why would we engage in something that we know is not true? Well, it's about the spirit of generosity. It's about what we decide to make it about. And it's about what helps them uh, form their understandings and their sensitivities. Um, and ideas at one point in their development. Oh, well, aren't you lying? Well, they don't really need to know uh, what the truth is because they can't absorb it the same way I want them to absorb this uh, mechanism of understanding the generous spirit and of giving. Okay, what does that instruct us about? Being wrong is not the same as lying. Okay, but what if you are lying? Okay, what are you going to do? It's, it'd be almost impossible um, to find any workable standard in journalism and in politics. And also, 
we err on the side of speech. Now that's changing, right? There are definitely steps towards censorship that are going on that I don't like. And it doesn't mean that I like the ideas that are being censored. Um, I can dislike them very much uh, or more than the people who are okay with censoring them, but I'm not okay with censoring them. Why? It's very hard to go back once you start going down that road. And I believe in more speech, not less, a battle of ideas. If the idea is that stupid, you should be able to expose it and do better than it. And I think that is a better way for us to be. It is really hard to look at any society who's ever done it better than we are by limiting speech and what it is okay to think and say. This is from your interview with Bill O'Reilly. Visa baby Kizomba, 3652, writes, Cuomo ends every sentence with why, then answers his own question, crying laughing emoji. That is demonstrably false. Why? Because I very often am doing a Socratic dialogue uh, with myself for your benefit. Why would I do that? Because it is a more accessible way for you to question a proposition. How? It allows me to lay out why people would believe it or not believe it uh, in a way that you can assess in real time. It is a way for me to prove my own points to you as a proxy for your ability to be conversing with me in the moment. Why would I do that? Because it makes me more helpful to you. That's the reason. Uh, this final batch here, I often, you often assail me for putting negative comments into the episode, mm -hmm. even though the vast majority of them are usually complimentary mm -hmm. and, and inquisitive. Mm -hmm. I want you to know that I, as the person who filters these, am also now on the receiving end of a lot of these what you would consider to be negative comments. I'd like to read Good. a few of these two. I would love it. Uh, Liv Garces6935 writes, Chris needs someone else to do these videos with. Yes. This guy is annoying and seems very uninformed. Anthony Crowley2778 writes, this guest is denying what is clearing been seen. Skeptics now seem foolish. This is my favorite one. JPJ8723 writes, yeah, this guy is no Tucker Carlson, you. Hey, where did you get your fake weights? And the guy in the purple skirt, are you really going to let him pick on you and threaten physically that you're not going to stand up for yourself? That's weak. Purple skirt? I think it was a typo of shirt. I was wearing a Grateful Dead polo style shirt yeah. and he, he wrote skirt. I bet you that that guy is physically, intellectually, and emotionally unimpressive. I don't know. His, his avatar is a motorcycle. What a punk. What a punk thing. You know, Mike Tyson is becoming more and more of a sage to me. Mike Tyson has a line where he says, the internet has made you people forget that sometimes what you say can get you punched in the face. And it's so easy for people to say, oh, how could you resort to violence? Hey, there are different forms of violence, okay? And uh, the things that people are okay saying that they know have no constructive value that are just designed to give them a false sense of self, of superiority, or of power, uh, has gotten to the level of pathetic. And I think it was one of the most unseen risks of the internet. And I'm not saying that, you know, people should be shut down, but I do believe that there should be a lot more shame in our 
societal construct. I think that uh, people should be embarrassed. I think that people should have to represent who they are and what they are. Now, I get why I would lose that in a legal debate, that's for sure, and maybe even in a philosophical debate um, in a society that's almost bereft of any philosophy. But the idea of, well, uh, they're not going to be as uh, able to speak as freely if they have to say who they are. Their employer may see it. Oh, okay. But there's an up and a downside to that, right? And I just think that we're, we're really not catering enough to it. This guy's a punk for what he said to you. Well, let me add to the discourse, you know, uh, along the lines of what you're just saying. This, this, this avatar reminds me of an old joke. Uh, uh, what's the difference between a motorcycle and a vacuum? Where you put the dirt bag. Oh! That's from the Treasury of Clean Jokes by Tal D. Bonham and his famous lookalike. I like it. I think I think I just lost a huge portion of the audience with that joke. It's always made me laugh because it implies that uh, people who ride motorcycles are the equivalent of a bunch of filth picked up off the floor. I am a motorcycle license holder. Okay. And I have owned multiple motorcycles. Okay. This, I am this, also known by many as a dirtbag. Oh. So maybe you're right. Okay. Well, there we go. Thanks, Tal. Are we done? We're done. Great. Lunchtime. What kind of sandwich you want? Listen, I tell you to comment because I want your comments and we consider them. And the trash goes in the trash. And those comments that are worthy, nice and not nice, we will address. So keep them coming, okay? Subscribe, follow, check out the YouTube channel. See you on News Nation, 8 and 11 p. Um, Eastern, every weekday night. Take care of yourself and take care of the people you care about. 